Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, if you want to donate, if you donate $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and From John to Justin, and on social media. If you donate $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by you with your name at the start. It's also stated it's sponsored by you on social media. If you donate $20, you get everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And if you donate $50, you get everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. You can also donate at buymeacupofcoffee slash craigu, and all of these links will be in my show notes. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to Bairdo37. And if you like, you can find weekly videos about Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. You can also find transcripts of every episode I've ever done on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. I'd also like to say thank you to Twist My Mind, who left me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You said, Such a great podcast. Enjoy hearing about all the Canadian PMs, the opposition leaders, and the governor generals. I appreciate that, and I hope you enjoy what we got coming forward. Don't forget that yesterday I released an episode, my first of a five-part series, all about every election in Ontario's history. And once we're done, the Governor's General, we're going to look at every single Premier in Canadian history. Thank you. Today we come to one of the most famous of the early Governor's General. Born as Henry George Grey, he's better known as Earl Grey. And we'll talk about what made him so famous a little later. I'd also like to mention there are Canada geese stomping around on my roof. And if you can hear it, or you can hear them honking, I'm sorry. Born on November 28, 1851, in London to General Sir Charles Grey and his wife Caroline, Earl Grey's grandfather was the Prime Minister, while his father was the Private Secretary to Prince Albert and later Queen Victoria. Educated at Harrow School and then Trinity College, Earl Grey always had a strong interest in both history and law. Upon his graduation in 1873, he became the private secretary to Sir Henry Frere, who was a member of the Council of India. Grey would also tour with Prince Albert Edward, the Prince of Wales, through India. In 1877, Earl Grey married Alice Holford, and together they would have five children, one child, Lillian, would only live to the age of four. This would spark in Earl Grey the desire to reduce infant mortality, which he would continue in Canada. As Governor-General, he would visit Canadian farms and discuss ways to keep the milk free from impurities, as contaminated milk was a major cause of infant mortality at the time. As with many other early Governors-General, Earl Grey was drawn to politics, and in 1880 he would be elected to the British Parliament. As a liberal, he was supportive of women's suffrage, and he would write, quote, There are no questions which receive so little attention, or which, in my opinion, so urgently call for the close and serious consideration of social reformers as those affecting the condition of women, end quote. Earl Grey was also an imperialist, and would co-found the Imperial Federation League, which had the goal of turning the British Empire into an imperial federation. 
1886, Earl Grey would lose his seat in Parliament, and eight years later, he would succeed his uncle and officially become the fourth Earl Grey. With that, he took his seat in the House of Lords. Over the next two decades, Earl Grey would serve as the director of the British South Africa Company and serve as the administrator of Southern Rhodesia for a time until 1899, when he became the Lord Lieutenant of Northumberland. On October 4, 1904, Earl Grey replaced his own brother-in-law, Lord Minto, as the Governor General of Canada. For Earl Grey, this appointment was perfect, as he had been left nearly penniless after several investments in South Africa had failed. The previous Governor General, Lord Minto, and the brother-in-law of Earl Grey, would question Earl Grey's appointment to his wife privately, stating, quote, I doubt Albert's level-headedness and an enormous amount of harm may be done here by his impetuous action and want of judgment, end quote. One British politician would have the same worries, referencing Earl Grey's habit of long, flowery speeches to his friend Goldwyn Smith, who was the editor of the Canadian Monthly, stating, quote, Have we sent you sufficiently superb windbag to rule over you in Ottawa? I thought grimly of you as I read his flummery in the Times today. I hope Laurier will keep Grey's claws clipped. End quote. Arriving in Canada, Earl Grey was coming to a country that was booming in terms of its economy, industry, and growth from immigration. He was also arriving to a country that was deep into the temperance question, and many that supported prohibition were happy that Earl Grey was now the Governor General, as he was a temperance reformer himself. The Winnipeg Tribune wrote, quote, his lordship, whatever may be his ideas about the ultimate fate of liquor, firmly believes that at present, the best way to cope with the evils of the traffic is to deal with the effects rather than the cause. End quote. Overall, Earl Grey's arrival was greeted with enthusiasm. The new governor-general is no stranger to Canada and the Canadians. Twice at least he has visited the Dominion, and as it happens, he is the brother-in-law of the very successful outgoing governor, Lord Minto. End quote. In 1905, Earl Grey would grant royal assent to the acts that would create Alberta and Saskatchewan. On September 4, 1905, only three days after Alberta and Saskatchewan came into being, Earl Grey joined Sir Wilfrid Laurier in Regina for the proceedings to welcome the new provinces. They were greeted by a parade of schoolchildren, numbering 900 in total, with a large celebration held in Victoria Park. Grey would save the event, quote, I acknowledge, on behalf of His Majesty, the assurances of your unaltered loyalty to the Crown and person, and your devotion to his beautiful and beloved Queen. I have listened with great account of your development and with ready sympathy to the expression of your belief that your province is destined to become a happy and prosperous home to millions of Britons. End quote. On June 16, 1905, his title was designated as Governor-General of Canada and Commander-in-Chief of the Dominion of Canada as the country began to look to increase its independence from Britain. On August 29, 1906, Earl Grey would visit Saskatoon, arriving to see another parade of schoolchildren and be greeted by James Clinkskill, the first mayor of Saskatoon. Earl Grey would say that even though Saskatoon was only three years old, it struck him to be like an extremely lusty infant which is a really weird thing to say. Earl Grey was also heavily involved in the politics of the day. Maclean's would write in 1911, quote, He is often in consultation with the First Minister and other members of Cabinet, discussing important affairs of state, public policy or diplomatic relations, and offering suggestions and counsels to his advisors. Above all, Earl Grey is no mere figurehead. Cabinet ministers, as perhaps no one else, well know this, end quote. Of course, this was not always greeted with enthusiasm. 
McLean's would say in another article in 1911, quote, His instinct for putting his finger into the quiet places to see if they are hot is still active. We have reason to believe that His Excellency has not always been as reserved as the Master of Parliament would have wished. It has been said that he has been a trifle hasty in offering advice and suggestions and requests in high quarters where interference is resented. End quote. Throughout his time as Governor General, Earl Grey would travel extensively. He would journey throughout the nation, as well as the Dominion of Newfoundland, which at the time had not joined Canada and would not for another four and a half decades. In 1908, he would celebrate the 300th anniversary of the founding of Quebec. He could speak French fluently and was generally well-liked in Quebec, but Earl Grey's plans to celebrate the founding of Quebec tended to focus more on the Battle of the Plains of Abraham in 1759 than the founding of the city by Samuel de Champlain in 1608. But it was because of Earl Grey that the Plains of Abraham would become a national park. Various newspapers would latch onto this, with the London Telegraph giving $500. The paper would write, quote, The scheme aims at consecrating and preserving forever the battlefields on the heights, equally commemorating the triumphs, the reverses, the heroism, and the reconciliation of two races. End quote. While Earl Grey did try to bring together English and French-speaking elites in Canada, he tended to have little understanding with his dealings with French Canadians, and he had the belief that English was superior. On August 15, 1905, while in Quebec City to unveil a monument to those who fought in the Boer War, Earl Grey mentioned Admiral Nelson's victory over Napoleon, but he added that it was not a struggle between French and English, but between the principles of liberty, of freedom, and of self-government, as opposed to those of despotism, militarism, and centralized tyranny. You can expect how well that went over. As Governor General, Earl Grey looked to enact social reform. He would support prison reforms, electoral reform, and he encouraged Sir Wilfrid Laurier to support his idea of the Imperial Federation, but Laurier was not interested in it. Earl Grey would also present banners of England's patron saint, St. George, to Canadian schools so they could make schools more imperial-minded. But Earl Grey's idea to create a railway hotel in Ottawa was something that Laurier was much more interested in, and this would lead to the creation of the Chateau Laurier in 1912. On June 9, 1910, Earl Grey would prove to be a bit of a hero as well. It was on that day when a horse came racing down the street. Earl Grey, who was known to be an excellent horseman, rushed forward and seized the bridle so that the horse could be brought to a standstill. The Vancouver province wrote, quote, The street was crowded at the time, and Earl Grey certainly averted what might have been a serious accident to someone, end quote. Earl Grey also ventured to change the view of Canada in England. He would take a trip in the summer of 1910 to show that Canada was not a frozen north. He would spend a month journeying through the Hudson Bay country area, and the Windsor Star reported, quote, More than any other man, he will accomplish this by his spectacular trip through the wild Northland, arrangements for which will be completed in about a week. The party will be a little bit larger than was anticipated, probably 12 in all, end quote. The trip would take Earl Grey from Lake Winnipeg to Hudson Bay, through the Hudson Straits, and then on to St. John's, Newfoundland, and this would include a canoe trip from Norway House to Fort Nelson. He would also inspect the Hudson Bay harbors, and then sail on a ship named for him to Quebec, with that stop in St. John's. His visit to Newfoundland was something Earl Grey very much enjoyed. He would praise the weather as warm and sunny, and the scenery, adding that he would like to purchase a place in the Bay of Islands as a summer recreational resort for the Governor-General of Canada. During the trip, he also visited Prince Edward Island, and he met Lucy Maud Montgomery. 
she would write in her journal, quote, Earl Grey shook hands with me and began at once to talk about Anne of Green Gables and the pleasure it had given him, end quote. Upon his return to Ottawa, Earl Grey would state that the trip was delightful and much like a continuous picnic. Only one incident was reported when the cousin of Earl Grey, Charles, sprained a tendon in his leg when his canoe struck a hole in the bottom, end quote. In all, the trip ran for 8,000 kilometers and would run from July 29th to the beginning of September. One year later, plans were made for a trip to the Arctic Ocean, running down the Peace and Mackenzie Rivers. Earl Grey would then be met by the HMCS Rainbow, which would take him to Vancouver. Unfortunately, with the Duke of Connaught coming to Canada, there was not time for him to make the trip, and it would be abandoned. Earl Grey was also opposed to the Chinese head tax, and when he was invited to British Columbia, he initially turned it down because of the exclusionary measures being implemented by Premier Richard McBride. But after the Russo-Japanese War, Gray would become concerned about the Japanese and he would work with the federal government to find an alternative to the head tax. Even with this, though, he was appalled by the 1907 anti-Asian riots in Vancouver and he would arrange for Prince Fushima Sadanori of Japan to come to Canada on an official visit. It was also because of Gray that Canada would take its first foray into creating its own navy, apart from the Royal Navy. He urged both Canada and Britain to let Canada take over the West and East Coast naval bases. He was so intertwined with the idea of a Canadian Navy that the Naval Service Act of 1910 became known simply as Gray's Bill. Earl Gray would say at one point, quote, The naval program of the Dominion may possibly be objected to by some in Quebec, and perhaps other provinces are opposed to participation in the naval defense of the Empire. For the moment, that is true but I honestly believe that it is for the moment only, end quote. Maclean's would write in 1911, quote, The establishment of the Canadian Navy is associated with Earl Grey. He undoubtedly used his influence to bring the government to adopt a policy that would, in his opinion, be worthy of the empire, end quote. Throughout his time in Canada, Earl Grey was also a supporter of the Canadian arts and would create the Grey competition for music and drama. Maclean's would describe Earl Grey in 1911, stating, quote, his concern in all things is not merely pilot and perfunctory. It is deep-rooted. Personally, Earl Grey is a genial, kindly, unassuming man with sufficient reserve of dignity to never forget his exalted station, for he rightly entertains high ideas of his office. End quote. Earl Grey was also a lover of sports, as so many a governor's general were. He would ski, snowshoe, curl, play golf, cricket, and lawn bowling. He also loved fishing, billiards, and bridge. His support of Canadian football would lead to him creating the Grey Cup to be awarded to the winner of the Senior Amateur Football Championship of Canada. Today, the Grey Cup is presented to the champion of the Canadian Football League. Originally, Earl Grey had planned to donate a trophy for the Senior Amateur Championship, but Sir Montague Allen donated the Allen Cup before he could do that. Earl Grey then ordered the trophy for the football champion only two weeks before the first championship game. The first Grey Cup would be held on December 4, 1909, between the University of Toronto Varsity Blues and the Parkdale Canoe Club. It would be won by the University of Toronto, but the trophy was not ready for the game, and the club would not receive the trophy until March 1910. It was officially a semi-final game, but the players and fans considered it the championship game. Smurl Lawson was a member of the winning varsity team. Ottawa Rough Riders had won the Big Four title by defeating Argonauts, and they were considered at that time to be the best team uh, playing anywhere. 
They had a band which they had written music for were 60 minutes in the championship. They were two-to-one favorites or 10 points, and we went at them in the afternoon, and we beat them 31-7. to We had some wonderful players in Bull Ritchie and Jimmy Bell and Whisper Hume, Charlie Gage. Huey Gall, uh, to my mind, was the greatest uh, kicker that this country's ever produced. He didn't stand back 15 yards behind the gun. He used to stand about three feet behind and kick right up the scrimmage's back for 70 yards. He was, to my mind, one of the great players of all time. Third down now, and they have about... For the uh, record, Varsity to played Toronto Parkdale the following Denver, week and won the first Grey Cup 26-6. to six. The cup itself was not available. Thanks to a bureaucratic oversight, it was delivered three months later. Nobody noticed. The trophy was the property of the Ontario and Quebec football unions. Western Canadian teams made overtures, but schedules and money prevented a genuine East-West final. Anyway, the Western teams were piddling amateurs by Eastern standards. In 1907, Earl Grey watched as the Dawson City Nuggets played the Ottawa Silver 7 for the Stanley Cup after journeying 8,000 kilometers by dog sled, foot, boat, and train. I talked about that legendary series on my other podcast, Pucks and Cups, so check it out. Earl Grey also always saw the potential for Ottawa and Canada. In the first issue of McLean's, he stated, quote, I am treading on soil which, before the end of the present century, will carry the capital city of a nation of 80 million, end quote. He was a bit off on the population mark, though. On October 13, 1911, his time as Governor-General came to an end, as did the Liberal rule of Canada after 15 years, with Robert Borden becoming Prime Minister. The day Earl Grey left, he saw that the men on the steamer, the Earl Grey, were having trouble stretching out a gangway from one steamer to the other. Earl Grey was heard to yell, Never mind it, boys! And then he jumped on the ship and assisted the Lady Grey in getting on the ship as well. Laurier would say of Earl Grey, quote, he gave his whole heart, his whole soul, and his whole life to Canada, end quote. McLean's would write, quote, He leaves Canada with more virtues than were attributed to him by the writers upon his arrival. Canadians have found enough error in him to convince them that after all he was really quite human, which is a much greater virtue than perfection, end quote. Earl Grey's time as Governor-General was the longest of any Governor-General since Confederation, and his time as Governor-General was extended by one year in 1911, allowing him to serve for six years. This was made at the request of the king, who felt that the influence of Earl Grey on Canada was a good thing. After leaving Canada, Earl Grey became the president of the Royal Commonwealth Society. He would also spend his time working on social causes, including helping to improve the sums of London and improve the status of the worker in the country. And on August 29, 1917, he would pass away at the age of 65 after a long battle of cancer. The Vancouver Daily World would say of him, quote, the late Earl was a generous patron of the arts and sciences. He donated many trophies and has left behind him in Canada, much by which he'll be remembered for years to come. End quote. In 1963, Earl Grey was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Elsewhere in Canada, he is honored with three schools named for him, as well as Earl Grey, Saskatchewan, Mount Earl Grey, and the Earl Grey Pass in British Columbia. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Earl Grey. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37.
As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Governor General of Canada, Canadian Encyclopedia, Biography, Wikipedia, Maclean's Library and Archives Canada, Winnipeg Tribune, Merrickville Star, London Telegraph, Windsor Star, Ottawa Journal, Earl Grey, Montreal Star, Vancouver Province. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.